in a world where some TV shows overstay their welcome while others are cut down before their prime, two brave souls have made it their mission to expose themselves to these ill-fated shows that could not last more than one season. This is not for the faint of heart. Indulging in magnificent, warm, luxurious baths in opposite corners of the mythical land of Ohio, Corey and Austin will attempt to accomplish what better men have only dreamed of. They will watch, soak, and discuss these one-season shows to determine if each show should have floated to a second season. Was the drain pulled too soon? Only one good way to find out. This is bathtub season. Oh, hey, Austin. Hey, Corey. So this might be the weirdest idea I've ever had. <laughs> you know, everyone that I've talked to about it has been really into it, so maybe that's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, my wife uh, talked to her coworkers today, and they just, they were really just confused was the uh, the main takeaway. <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've got a friend who wants to call in from her bathtub already. Hello, Moe's Tavern, birthplace of the Rob Roy. Oh, cool. Well, we might have to figure out a way of doing that in the future. But to the four people listening to this in the future, uh, the welcome to bathtub season. This is a show where me and Austin watch a TV show that unfortunately only ran for one season. And then we discuss each episode of that season before moving on to the next show. Season one, we are beginning with The, the Tick. Tick from 2001. It's important to note that it's The Tick from 2001 because The Tick has been three different shows at this point. Yeah, I learned that last night. There was a, apparently a successful cartoon in the 90s. I knew about the recent remake and this one we had watched, but I didn't know about the cartoon and I knew it was based off a comic, but that was interesting to learn. Yeah, the cartoon also ran for a couple years. Um, I, I did some research on it and the, the really cool thing that I noticed immediately when I started watching... Um, this tick is that the uh, the creator of the comic, Ben Edlund, um, is actually the main writer and producer on all three versions of the tick. <laughs> That's super cool. No, I didn't. I didn't see that. I, I did see when I was looking at Wikipedia that there were some connections between the different shows, but I didn't go any deeper than that. Yeah, it uh, it turns out that um, it more more between the one that we're watching and the new one uh, are there are more connections between those two than the actual cartoon, um, but they share several producers between um, this one and the new one, including uh, Patrick Warburton on the new one. Stoic, godlike. Yeah, and I think he was a perfect choice. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> nope. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was the title, which I think fits a lot of the jokes in this episode, which I think you either find hilarious or just dumb. That's but totally Did you see fair. what the title of this episode was? Uh, it's... It's pilot. It's just called pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good. Keep it that way. I think, I think I need some podcasting fluid. I got that good crisp audio. I opened it right in front of the microphone. Uh, mine is mine is above me by a couple feet. <laughs> so I figured it might be best just to you know I wrote down a brief timeline of the episode as long as well as like two pages of notes. I doubt I'll say everything from the notes, but just go through it chronologically, and we'll just talk as we get to the different points. That's kind of how I wrote things down as well. Mine's a little bit out of order because I did um, 
I, I made notes on the first watch and the notes on the second watch, so some of the notes kind of go between each other, but I'm, I'm good. See, I wish I would have thought about it. I just did notes of what I thought was funny, but not what was going on, and then I realized I should have done it with like a timeline of events. So I have a bunch of just random thoughts on my note page that I'm not 100% sure what they correlate to. <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, hopefully between the two of us, it'll make some sense. Electronics and paper above a bathtub. This is an interesting combination. This is a but... hell of a decision. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but the episode opens with a night sky and the tick doing a fantastic monologue. He's narrating his own creed. It's perfect. Is that what it is? Yeah. Um, did you catch the name of the bus station? I thought this was hilarious. I didn't write it down. It's just bus. <laughs> perfect. There's a sign when he first sees a bus coming up. He's like, oh, cool, a bus. Hey, a bus. He's like, oh, it must say bus station. And then when he jumps down from the roof, there's a sign on the door that just says bus. <laughs> Nothing else, just bus. <laughs> I, I, the, I love about this show just how how absurdly comic book it is. Like... Like when you watch Fairly Odd Parents and you see the crimson chin, and you're like, "Oh, it's it's a satire of a comic." Hit. Like that is the tick. That is absolutely the tick. See, I don't even take it as like comic booky. That's just like surreal 2015 humor, just 14 years early. Yeah, like, it's just it's fantastic. Um, did you notice anything weird about his uh, his monologue when they go to... I keep saying, did you notice? But there was a lot of things on this opening scene that were just like little things that stuck out to me. But when it pans to his face, did you did, did it seem weird to you? Um, Both times I watched it, this stuck out to me like a sore thumb. I don't... I don't remember that feeling weird. I I was remember picking up a lot of things at the bus station itself, and I remember the reveal of his face being very satisfying in a way, but I, I don't know that I noticed anything specific. They overdubbed his speech. It doesn't match up to his lip movement at all, and this is the opening speech to the pilot episode of a show. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't... That doesn't surprise me, though. Pilots, pilots get thrown together. But, like... This is your opening scene, and it's not even done well. Like, I low-key think it was another joke. It was just, like, 14 layers deep. <laughs> it's really bad. If you go back and watch it, it's it doesn't doesn't match. Like, it's it's not, it's somewhat close. He's saying the same words. It's not like he's saying one thing, and it's a totally different set of words. It's the same thing, but it's not even I'm going to have to go back again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, after after seeing some of this and knowing how involved um, the writer is in you know various comic cons and panels and things, I would love to hear some of his discussions about this. Honestly, yeah. My, well, the DVD copy that I ordered for this has commentary from one of the producers. We might have to do like a special edition episode sometime yeah. in the future for Absolutely. some of these. So he jumps down from the roof and because this person's trying to get this cup of coffee and struggling. And he immediately goes into, like, fight mode. And I think the assumption is that you think he's going to fight the person beating up the coffee machine. But, of course, no, he beats up the coffee machine. And I think they wanted you to know instantly that this wasn't a kid's show because he immediately says, you are now my bitch, to a coffee machine, which is really funny. And I think that it was supposed to be that, like, hey, this is adult, edgy humor. But that's literally the only time they curse in either this episode and I watched the second episode. They don't curse in that either. So it's 
in hindsight, it's really it's, bizarre. It's just that, and then like the the heavy sexual content that comes a little later. Um, but no, the, actually, the that vending machine, that opening scene is just is probably one of my favorite parts of the whole episode because yep, you have same. that whole that you have that whole narrated monologue coming in, revealing that his post above Gotham type thing is just standing on top of this bus station, <laughs> and then you have. This guy who the coffee machine isn't giving him his coffee, and his reaction is to jump down and take the coffee machine into his own hands. <laughs> and I, I had to write this down when he said it. It was the best line of the whole show. Armless bandit, empty your bladder of that bitter black urine men call coffee. It has its price, and that price has been paid. Java devil, <laughs> you are now my bitch. <laughs> like, it's you, so you good. You got more of the line. That's yeah. That that was such a great just intro to the show, and the whole like this whole opening scene made me think like in this world, do all buildings, regardless of how important they are, have to have a superhero at some point? Is that the canon that they're setting up? Because that would be great. I would love to just see the one shitty dude that has to sit on top of a porta john at like a <laughs> festival. If every building has to be defended. That's hilarious. <laughs> or is it just the tick is an idiot? Like, I think either way, the joke they were going for is great. Absolutely. I loved the imagination, like, I, that they were, like, implying that that was the case, that you had a superhero for every building. But they do make a strong argument for the tick is an idiot. <laughs> I wish, I, I do wish they would have, like, you know, gone more into how long he's been there. Because the, the way he discusses things is that he's been there for a while and the employees want yeah, to gone. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I would have loved some, like, throwaway line of, like, man, it, this has been a long decade or, like, two decades or just some kind of hint as far as, like, I just him standing on top of this roof for 20 years just def beating up his coffee machine over and over. Right. Because uh, you definitely get the, the implication that that's the kind of thing that's happening. You know, maybe it's not always the coffee machine, but... This dude has just been chilling at this bus station, taking care of minute problems in an absurd way. Now, does he take a bus into the city? He gets excited about seeing a bus at bus no, he, and gets a bus ticket for a bus at bus. He, uh, he's, he's, uh, <laughs> he's given a bus ticket that he didn't buy by the bus station manager that doesn't want him there anymore. Uh. You dropped That this. was my takeaway. But we never find out if he actually took the bus or if he just ran there. Because when we see him later on, which we'll get to, which is another great scene, he's not getting off well, a bus. okay, that's fair. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure what they were doing with that one. I, <laughs> I will say, though, that the, the bus station, it starts right from the very beginning. Just watching this first episode, there are so many moments, um, and some of them... I wouldn't have had watching it originally because the characters mean something to me now. But there were so many moments watching the show that I was like, holy shit, it's that person. Oh shit, it's that person. Yes. There are so many big names in this episode. It's wild. Literally, the bus station manager is EJ Callahan. That dude has been in so much stuff as just random characters. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of big names in this. And speaking of going on to the next scene, we get Doc from Back to the Future. Right. <laughs> is the manager of this person we see sitting in a shitty office wearing a superhero costume and he's the only one there wearing it and it's the most absurd thing ever. It's just a white onesie with rabbit ears, basically. And then we get Doc from Back to the Future. 
coming in and yelling at him. And 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 not to was it Christopher Lloyd is his name? Yep, not to take away from Christopher Lloyd, but that uh, that rabbit-eared uh, accountant named Arthur is uh, David Burke. He, who is that? It sounds familiar. He has also been in a bunch of things. Um, I'm struggling right now to. Remember you don't have to look it up now. His big thing, oh. but uh, but he's been in. A, he's a very recognizable face. Now I heard you struggle with his name, and that's one thing I had to like. I wish they would have done a little like better job of. They just throw the name Arthur real quick in conversation, but we never have a scene where we is like, hey, this is Arthur, or like, I'm not a hundred percent sure what his superhero name is. Sometimes I call him Mothman. Sometimes he's the moth. Yeah, the, I don't know what to call him. So what do I call you? The superhero thing. I, I'm the Arthur. Arthur, I, I picked up. Arthur was good, quick. You know, they never did a whole like, hey, this is Arthur. But the way they did with the tick, obviously. But you know, they they repeated his name enough that that's that. But the, yeah, I agree with the superhero thing. Sometimes he's an idiot in a bunny suit. Sometimes he's talking about Mothman. Like I, I'm not sure if I'm not sure actually. Um, the second time I watched it, when they referenced Mothman, I kind of re registered that as there's another superhero he's referencing called Mothman, and he's like, I'm not a Mothman. Oh. But See, I thought they were just making another bug joke that we have the tick and Mothman. Right, but, and, and they very well may be because the dude has <laughs> wings. He's clearly not a bunny. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confused, I will admit. And when you, I looked him up on Wikipedia, he's just listed as Arthur, which is kind of hilarious. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> Um, but after, I mean, was there anything else about that scene? I mean, we get Christopher Lloyd kind of berating him and talking about how valuable his time is, but there wasn't too much else. No, that was, it was really just, really just set up that, um, that this Arthur character wants to be a superhero and he's, he thinks that, you know, that's, that's what he needs to do with his life. And, um, I, I believe they're related. Um, I think it's his oh. uncle, uh, Christopher Lloyd, um, is you know telling him that that's a waste of his life and he's an idiot and he's good with numbers and he needs to do this accounting for him like so. The only thing I picked up on too was the fact that the manager wasn't so much taken aback that he wanted to be a superhero as much as he just thought it was a shitty job. Yeah. So it was basically like in our world, if you had a great accounting job and you quit it to say be a podcaster. Right. Like <laughs> be, being a superhero seems to be a pretty normal just it's a thing here. This is a and We'll job. come back to that because that's not the case through the whole episode. Right. <laughs> um they make some references later on that totally refute that. So it just it gets even more confusing. But after that, we see Arthur, whatever his superhero name is in the in a bar that at first seems like a superhero bar, but then they show the bartender and there's a sign that says, we serve superheroes here. Kind of like that that's not a given. But I think that also implies that it's not a superhero bar. It's just like, okay with you being there. <laughs> yeah. They're not welcome everywhere kind of thing. Yeah. But it, it, yeah, but it also wasn't superheroes welcome. It's we serve them here. <laughs> like, it, we'll give you a drink if you want one. <laughs> there's... Fair. Yeah, there's a, another superhero who's obviously very drunk next to him and older and beat up. And I think they were showing, you know, like, hey, this this guy is super excited for this new life. He just quit his job, and then this is what he's going to become. Yeah. But he had 29 shot glasses in front of him. I stopped the episode and counted. <laughs> like, oh, my God. 
any person, maybe that's his superpower. Maybe he's like the iron liver, <laughs> like, but like he shouldn't be sitting or like upright in any sense of the word. He had 29 shots and he's still balancing them on top of each other. It's really impressive. Like he might be the most powerful superhero in the episode. <laughs> he's the... He's the Wade Boggs of superheroes. <laughs> yes, he's, maybe it is Wade Boggs, but we'll never know. Even better. That's what became of him. <laughs> you know, I actually do have a note here that I did the first time watching through. I wrote down that authors, Arthur's um, superhero name is the Moth. Okay. Okay, that's good to know. Was there anything else about this scene? And there was another scene, I feel like these two intro Arthur scenes didn't have a ton going on for him as far as comedy or even really much setup. <laughs> No, I feel like it was, yeah, it was, it was really just kind of establishing who Arthur is and establishing that um, he was going to do this thing and he was a, immediately feeling potential regret about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, only to leave the bar and be confronted by a bunch of Russians. You're right. That is what happened. No, it isn't. The next thing we see is the tit coming into the city. Oh, you're this right. This is what I was referencing right. earlier. There's the, bus. There's the bus. You're right. You're right. I'm jumping. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of, he's jumping. He's just jumping from rooftop to rooftop yelling, city. City. <laughs> Which I thought was city. absolutely fantastic. He's like a puppy dog. Like <laughs> he's No, I, he's absolutely like a puppy dog. I, I, made, I made that exact comparison to myself. <laughs> so that's what I was saying. Like, I love imagining him doing that, like, just having this ticket and not getting on the bus and just doing that the entire way there. But you're right. Right after that, we just see him doing that. And then I think we go right to Arthur leaving the bar. Yeah. Yep. And then that's when that's when they meet for the first time. Arthur runs into the Russians in the alley and um, the tick comes along and uh, saves him. Yeah, I mean, he does. He he defeats all the, the Russians who are in super comical Soviet garb, um, which I, was a little corny, but whatever. But yeah, he, he saves them, basically. But in doing so, he kicks the activation button for the Red Scare, which the Russians had explained is a super robot designed to help them take over the city. Because we don't find out yet in that scene, what this, the robot's goal is. That's a reveal for later. Yeah, we, we, we know what the robot's goal is supposed to be, but we do not know what the, uh, the robot's goal in, in reality is. Right. And um, then the tick takes Arthur up to the rooftop in celebration, right? Um, he does. Now, the one thing, two things that I immediately with this scene for me, um, the, again, I had several moments watching this where a character would come in and I'd be like, it's Christopher Lloyd. So for me, this one, um, this scene came up and one of the Russians um, is the actor who plays Noho Hank and Barry. And I was like, oh shit. What the fuck are you doing here? Bye, it's me. It's Hank. I know it's Hank. You know Hank. I know you're in a wig. This hurts mine though. I don't fucking care what the fuck are you doing here. <laughs> I have not seen them, but I've heard good things, but. A fantastic That's show. That's fantastic. Um, but even better is the the fight scene itself is performed in a very uh, vaudeville style. Uh, people keep coming in and out of the frame and just getting beat up in these ridiculous ways, and it's it's fantastic. 
Yeah, I think at one point you see the tick just walking, yep. and there's somebody hitting him with a crowbar, and the tick is just not noticing. Did you notice the signs in that scene on the, the Russian's um, vehicle and things? I did not, but I have a feeling they were great. Vlad's army surplus. I arm the czar. <laughs> there's, there's somebody there in the writer's room who's really into puns. Absolutely. That's <laughs> it's the best place. It's the best place to hide jokes is in the signs. Simpsons have always You're done right. it. It's so good. Yeah, I still think bus is just fantastic. But they go up to the roof, and this is when we meet the next two characters. They're up there celebrating that they, or the tick is proud that he saved Arthur from these Russians, not knowing he activated the robot, or if he did, he just <laughs> is too oblivious to know what that means. And we meet, oh, I, oh, I should know their names. Uh, Batman, was it Batman Well? Batman Well! And Captain Liberty. These are some interesting characters for sure. And I actually read um, that these weren't supposed to be the characters that were the two additional superheroes. But because of a licensing thing with Disney, they weren't able to use the characters they wanted to. Interesting. Okay. I don't know who they were supposed to be. And even if I had read it, I, I don't know because I, I don't know any of the source material. But yeah, these are not who they wanted to use as far as canonical characters. Gotcha. And then, I mean, we're instantly throw. I mean, these are caricatures. These people are caricatures. Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, even more so than Arthur and the Tick somehow. <laughs> yeah, we, we are thrown into uh, a weak-willed, tits-out, freedom-fighting woman and a weird, horny Spanish man. <laughs> I couldn't have put it better myself. I was trying to think, like last night when I was watching, I was like, I don't know how to describe these characters without just being completely insulting. <laughs> like the the whole thing, the the whole thing comes, you know, she she comes out and she's doing her little introduction, and he's in the background on the phone with someone talking about Falco. It rocked me, Amadeus. No, I'm telling you, Falco died. She, Amadeus, Amadeus, he is a dead person. Yeah, and he's really excited because there's this girl that's Catholic. She's Catholic. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to imply. She's Catholic. <laughs> like, it comes up multiple times. He's really excited about this Catholic girl. Um, She's Catholic. And he talks about how he saved them three times in one night. And then, like, do you know what I mean? And they look over the tick and he's like, nope. nope. Every but time. I don't also don't know what he meant. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> What did, what could I mean? I guess it just sex. Like I, I think there could be like a better. I don't know. <laughs> Any window you could have used, or like maybe this doesn't mean what I think it means. Nope. Maybe it's something else entirely. Nope. No, that that is that is one of the the best things through the course of the show that just like steers into the tick is an oblivious like bored of a dog human that. He's just, there are constantly these moments like, you get what I'm saying? You know what I mean? He's like, nope, nope. <laughs> he's just, he's so happy to say nope. Yep, and and we find that Captain Liberty, she is with the FBI, and it's insinuated that Batman Uel is a bit of like a shadier character who doesn't like that she's in the FBI, and they're like fighting that turns into play fighting, and then they start making out, of course. After he talks about that he'd saved her as well on top of a, a water tower, which sounds horrible. That doesn't sound pleasant at all. I mean, I guess would you? Would there be splooshing like on a waterbed? <laughs> I, I would imagine it would just be hard. I mean, yeah, <laughs> and not in the good way. 
if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> and then while that's happening, we have the tick who just starts wandering around the roof while we hear the screams of the Red Scare down in the alleyway. And Arthur is the only one who realizes that this thing is loose and is trying to get their attention. The robot, it's right down and just there. cannot he until just he gets so frustrated car. he leaves. And it takes a while for the tick to notice. And I don't think Batman you Batman well. Batman it's, it's a really hard word to say. Batman well. And Captain Liberty never notice. I don't think they even knew he was there. No, they were they were in their own world. They they came and knew there were people there when there was an introduction to be made, and then they were just in. And their then own they world. came. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so after that, we just see Arthur back in his stereotypical shitty New York apartment. And he's just pissed about the life choice he has made after seeing what real superheroes are like. Other than probably the guy who can drink 29 shots, I think anyone would be admirable of that. But all the other three that he's met. And he's mad, and then the tick just kicks the door in. <laughs> we get a lot of just fantastic dialogue. This was oh, another yeah. one of my favorite scenes. The door is broken, the knob came off. Or episode. Yeah, he... It's, it's, the, it's insult to injury, man. Arthur... Is on this roof. He's feeling just completely disappointed by these bumbling superheroes. That he leaves. He goes home. He knows that there's a Russian robot on the loose, and there's nothing he can do, and there's nothing they're gonna do. Just for the tick to break down his door and destroy his goddamn apartment. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because the tick comes in thinking this is a secret lair, and he wants to find all the secret stuff. He's like, where's your secret stash at? Tell me your trigger. Is this it? He's like, what's under this couch? Probably another secret lair. And he's just like tearing the place to shreds. What does your sofa turn into? It turns into a bed. And Arthur is getting madder and madder until the tick just grabs his face and stares him in the, in the <laughs> eyes and says, I believe in you. I've always believed in you. Which is like supposed to be funny that they've only known each other for like a total of five minutes, but also I found like really, really touching. <laughs> I don't know why. I was like, oh, that's nice. They're like, I wish people would say that even if they, you know, had just met. Like, I've always believed in you in like this short time. Like, that's great. I believe <laughs> in you. I always have. Man, one thing I did not account for doing this is how hot I would get. I am sweating so I, much. <laughs> I, I did. I did, in fact, consider that, and I, I ran my water a little cooler than normal. Well, our bathtub absorbs heat really quick, so the water gets really cold. So I have to put it in really hot because then it gets cold really fast. But we're in the interim now, where it's just now getting cooler, and I am just dripping in sweat. <laughs> oh man, yeah. There's there's definitely uh, definitely some logistics in uh, tub streaming. That, you know, uh, from a recording standpoint, my setup is going really well. I mean, I basically just have a desk in front of me. Yeah, mine's mine's going well, too. I've noticed a couple times I definitely didn't uh, remember to actually set my compressor that I said I was going to set. So I've, I've got some things to dial in for the future. I clipped a couple times, but it's going pretty well. I think I sound yeah. pretty good. Now back to the show. Then I forget, how, how do we find out? It's in this scene that the Red Scare was originally programmed to hunt down Jimmy Carter. So, um, it was, uh, it was the Tick. He 
in a moment of not being a bumbling idiot, um, brought a beat up Russian. Uh, oh, you're right, you're right. Bound with a street sign to interrogate to Arthur's apartment. And it just so happens that Jimmy Carter is in the city, which is the name of the city. City, because and, of course he is. <laughs> and I think they even say that, like, like they, like, it's almost like a turn to culture. Jimmy Carter is in town. Heavens to Betsy, what are the odds? And I love that they picked Jimmy Carter, who is like, in my opinion, like one of the most beloved you ran our country political figures in like America. recent American history. Like, who doesn't like Jimmy Carter? The Russians. I don't know. I feel like they probably, like, how you can't not like Jimmy Carter. His peanut field, like, he's great. But I thought that, like, in my opinion, like, that's why they picked him, is just because he is such a likable guy that this evil robot is going after. But I could be wrong. It, yeah, maybe. Maybe. They then, what do they do? They hop in a cab and go over to the hotel in from the city. Like, it's something like the sign. It was like, the, ho the hotel of the city is all it says, or something like that. Perfect. The only one. Yep, of course. And, I mean, of course the tick just runs out, doesn't pay the cab driver, and Arthur goes back, tips him extra well, runs away. The cab driver yells, the door's open, Arthur like runs back. It's pretty slaps, not slapstick's not the right word, but corny humor. But And then they go into the hotel and into the world's tallest elevator. It just keeps going. It does just keep going. Um, this, when the door opens, so they get to the top floor and it opens and Jimmy Carter, quote unquote, is there. They never show his face. And the few split scenes you do get to see him, he doesn't look anything like Jimmy Carter. They picked like the least Jimmy Carter looking old white guy, which I feel like isn't that hard. But it, 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 there, the, the moments that you see him sort of side, he almost looks like George W. Bush. A little bit, a little bit. I was like, you guys could have done a little bit better. Like, I don't think that was supposed to be a joke because they really try hard not to show his face. But man, do. he doesn't look like Jimmy Carter. But they, the tick yanks him in away from... Uh, his security detail, and it's just the three of them, Arthur the Tick and Jimmy Carter in this elevator now going down. And this is what I was referencing from earlier, where the manager, and nobody else in the office batted an eye that Arthur wanted to become a superhero. It wasn't weird, but security and Jimmy Carter are both completely taken aback by who these freaks are, I think he says, in the elevator. They have no idea what a superhero is. So it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> You're right. Per perhaps, uh, perhaps, <laughs> no, no, that doesn't make sense either. I don't know. <laughs> like, it, the, the president's security should know about superheroes. Like, they're not hiding. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> they're, I mean... if anything, very visible. <laughs> and he is just, he doesn't understand who they are, what they are, what they're doing there. He's totally freaked out. And... They're telling him that there's a Soviet robot on the loose to get him, and he's trying to pull the phone out of the elevator, which, do they still have that? Is that still a thing, or is it just the button now? But I don't know. I've never had to do it. I know people that have that have gotten stuck in elevators that had to call, but I didn't... Can you just dial a number? That's what he's doing. <laughs> I don't know. I'm off track, but I thought... I just thought it was fun to watch, I don't because it's just like kind of a relic of a different time, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not sure. Not sure how those phones work. I've never had to use one. No, nope. Never had to use a phone. But I also but I, <laughs> I, one one thing I did notice though is just the the sheer 
other than the reaction to who are these freaks in the elevator, the sheer non-reaction to the president's security when they pull him into the elevator and just take him down. I th- I thought I saw him kind kind of grab to like like jump to grab him, but maybe I didn't. I to me it seemed like it to me it seemed like there was just there was no real reaction. No reaction. <laughs> or and if if there was, it was way too delayed to be anything realistic. <laughs> That's fantastic. No, I didn't catch that. If I rewatch it, I'll have to look for that. That's really funny. Um, but then the the red scare was he jumped through the ceiling down into the compartment after Jimmy Carter's just saying I don't believe you. There's a Soviet killing machine out there with your name on it, and it could strike at any moment. I don't believe you, <laughs> or in you. It sounds like he doesn't know. He doesn't believe in superheroes. He's a superhero denier. <laughs> but <laughs> didn't see this coming from from such a nice left leaning president. But I guess it, it can happen to anybody. Blinded by the the homes. <laughs> <laughs> they get into a pretty intense fight that there isn't like a whole bunch to talk about other than at one point the tick's head gets shoved out the the side of it and it's just like bang 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 against the side of the wall and he is just unfazed other than the fact that he has to he doesn't know what to do he's like i need to use my head for something yeah which he doesn't end up doing <laughs> there was no payoff to that joke which is kind of funny but yeah it, that's when Arthur finds his inspiration, I think. He's like, wait, oh, I forgot to mention, the Red Scare cuts the line, so the elevator is just free-falling. Yes. For a very long time, I really wanted to go back in time how long this fall was <laughs> because it is excessive. It's so long. There's no, like, I, I think they drag it out on purpose. It's it's absurd how long they're falling you you can't say they didn't establish that this was a very long elevator on the way up it is true i remember seeing at least 60 floors but as i was saying arthur finds his wings literally he's like wait we're falling i can fly he grabs jimmy carter and flies up into the elevator shaft to safety in some of the worst green screen i have ever seen oh absolutely. but he does <laughs> he saves the president. <laughs> and it was really that moment that he went from, what the fuck is this bunny possible moth Arthur guy thing to, okay, he's moth. Yep, and then we cut to the tick being at the bottom. He's alive, but the red scare is all, I mean, they're in like a big rubble pile. And the tick, there were so many great lines in this episode, and he says one of my favorites. It is gravity. She's such a hard mistress. Like... <laughs> It doesn't mean anything, but it just caught me off guard. Like I paused the episode. I was laughing so hard because it just said so stone-faced. Gravity is a harsh mistress. <laughs> what is what what? <laughs> and that's 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 one of the things, not even just with the tick, but especially with the tick throughout this show that I just I love is there is there is a depth of detail to the dialogue that is absolutely unnecessary from any angle. It's gonna be a tough road to hoe, but he's just the Joe to hoe it. For destiny has called on him, and even now he feels her warm, moist hand at the small of his back. Pushing. Pushing. <laughs> it's just, and it's, it's, I don't know if well-written is the right way, or even smartly written, but it's both Without being either, it's just, the writing and the dialogue is just amazing. <laughs> Everything is of justice. One steaming hot cup of justice. Of justice. Do we see Jimmy Carter after this? Uh, I don't believe we do. So does Moth, I mean, are we to make the assumption that Moth, the Moth, Arthur, 
just flies Jimmy up back up to the 60th floor to the open doorway with the dumb security guard just drops him off like nothing happened. Perhaps. Perhaps. I mean, is there is there anywhere else to go in an elevator shaft where the elevator's falling? I mean, do are any of the doors going to be open? Are they stuck there now? I I suppose it depends on um on how the red scare got into the building. If he broke through the roof at the elevator shaft, then it would be open. Otherwise, if he came off of one of the floors, then no, he's kind of stuck with the floors. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess we'll just never know what happened to a beloved president. <laughs> And I, I have I have one final note after that, and I remember the line being said and thinking it was great, but I don't remember the context or what it was actually referring to. I, I don't Hit remember me. if it was a possible like future foe or apocalypse cow. Yes, that. So that the next scene is it's the Tick Arthur Batman well and um, what is it Captain Justice? Yeah, Captain. Captain Liberty, Captain Liberty, 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 Liberty is they're all in a diner eating and halfway and apparently the Tick and Arthur are just the talk of the town. They are now famous, according to Batmanuel and Captain Liberty. But while they're talking, there's a big explosion outside and you never get to see what's happening. But yeah, it's Apocalypse Cow has arrived. And I really wanted to see Apocalypse Cow. Like they talk about like... 40 being like, like, what is it, like 40 foot tall and there's like fire shooting out of its udders. Like, this sounds like the best superhero villain that has ever been created. <laughs> I I really hope that Apocalypse Cow makes an appearance and if not in this iteration of the tick, perhaps in the, the, the current one. Even just like a throwaway line, right? Like that, I want to see Apocalypse Cow more than anything. <laughs> that was... I couldn't stop thinking about it for the rest of the night after watching it for the first time. <laughs> they got you hooked. Yeah, and I think it ends with them just running out of the diner and Arthur, like, debating whether to pay or not and then the tick just pulling him away, just like the cab scene. And that's that's the end. That's the end of Pilot, the first episode of 2001 The Tick, or The Tick 2001. I don't know. Yeah, the... Um... Yeah, the only other thing I have is when they were at the restaurant, they were at a Chinese restaurant, and... Um... The, the tick was clearly unfamiliar with Chinese food <laughs> uh, because he puts the entire fortune cookie in his mouth. And uh, then he thinks he has a message from his teeth. <laughs> yep, a message from his teeth. And, and just to perfectly, perfectly cap his destruction throughout the course of this pilot episode, you get a fortune. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. And his response... I don't get it. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> I just love the idea that he thinks his teeth have a secret message. Like, it's it's, it's so innocent and fantastic. And I, I'm not going to get into spoilers for the next episode because I don't know if you watched it, but that immediately, that's that's the same line of logic that the next episode starts with, and I'm so excited to talk about it Fantastic. on the next episode, but we need, to, we need to talk about this, up, finish up this episode. Did you happen to see the tagline of the whole show? No. Was that in the credits? Um, I'm not sure. I might have I might have just read it off of a poster or something. Do um, shows have taglines? They do. Uh, often. Not all. Uh, this particular one fits perfectly. The big blue bug of justice is here. Yep. <laughs> I love how like 
That's not positive or negative. It's just a statement. Yep. He's here. Just, just a fact. <laughs> it's just, it's just facts. He's, he's here now. But uh, I'd like to think that I have been podcasting from the big white tub of justice tonight. <laughs> right, right. No, we, you, maybe that could be the tagline of this show. Did you, did you like this episode? Yeah, I did. Um, it, you know the I'm not sure. Not sure what to do with uh, with Batman well and Captain Liberty yet, but the tick is fantastic. I think Arthur's a great counterpoint. I hope we see more Christopher Lloyd. Um, I enjoyed the stylization of it. Uh, all the little jokes, both spoken and unspoken. I'm I'm in. Yeah, I I have almost no memory of this show when it was out on real TV. I mean, it was 2001, I would have been eight. Same. So it wasn't made for me or you. We are, are the same age, I suppose. Um, <laughs> and, but I do remember my dad watching this. Like, I have a distinct memory of him having it on the TV, and I am just, I was just thought it was the weirdest thing that he was watching a superhero show and anytime I've ever heard of the tick I think I probably saw a really corny scene I didn't I was still trying to understand humor then so I just thought it was a bad superhero show so I've always had like a weird aversion to watching this interesting but after watching it oh my god I I, I told Nina my wife that I this show was so funny I think she would even find it funny and this is not really her type of humor but oh just from beginning to end it was hilarious so I'm so excited to watch the rest of the season. <laughs> and it's it's totally it's totally its own show, but you know, there there are moments throughout that very much remind me of Mystery Men that I know we're both a big fan of. Yeah. Yeah, I had written down that written down that the humor weirdly reminded me a lot of Seinfeld. Yeah, certain like, certain things especially, absolutely. Just super dry and jokes that aren't necessarily jokes, but just funny things being said. Like, and I think the um, distributor was actually the same. It was like Sony Entertainment or whatever. Um, the thing at the end of Seinfeld was like, dun, 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 dun. Okay. That was at the end of this. So it was the same. Okay. They do have a connection. But yeah, I wrote that down like three times. Like, this is this is Seinfeld humor, just in a superhero show. <laughs> like, that's how I saw it. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I see it. I did want to ask, because there were so many, so many great lines in this episode. What was your favorite line? I I think I think for me nothing nothing was better than the 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 coffee machine that yep. Godless bandit Empty your bladder of that bitter black urine men call coffee It has its price and that price has been paid huh. <clears throat> Java Devil you are now my bitch. <laughs> that, that needs to be on a t-shirt with no context, just like sans serif, just like written across the shirt. <laughs> we, 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 we need to remember that the next time we play TKO. <laughs> my favorite line was much simpler, and it was just a dumb throwaway line, but when they're on the roof, when you first meet Batman well and Lady oh, Captain Liberty... At near the end, you just see the tick walking around in the background, and he just stops, and he's like, who puts gum on a roof? Because he's got gum stuck on his shoe. And I sat there for a second, and I was like, that's a really good question. How did it get up there? Okay. <laughs> Devil! Who puts gum on a roof? It certainly uh, narrows <laughs> down the people that could have put it there. And I think that's the last line of the scene until we cut to Arthur's apartment, so it just leaves you thinking. 
Like, who puts gum on a roof? (laughs) I don't know. That just struck me as really funny. (laughs) No, I mean, that's, I I, I think that is, that's a perfect example of, you know, a Seinfeld type thing. You know, it's not. Yes. It's, you have, you have Batman Well and Captain Liberty fighting, having their own thing. And that's where the focus begins. And then you just end up with what I see essentially as a George character going, why do I, what, yeah. let's come on a roof. <laughs> Basically, that's 100% <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> just having his own experience. Is there anything else you wanted to say about this episode? I, 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 th- I think that's it for me. I mean, it, it was a pretty, pretty straightforward episode, you know, did, did a, a lot of establishing, you know, introduced just kind of the general style more than anything. Um, like I said, I thought it was a really strong beginning and a fairly strong end. The middle lulled a little bit, but it was, it yeah. was establishing stuff. So I, you know, I'm good. Yep. No, that, that's very, that's, I, I feel hundred percent. That's exactly how I feel. So next episode, we have the tick season one, episode two, the funeral. And do you want to know what the notes are for this episode directly from Crackle? Because people listening at home or your car or your bathtub, we, this is available to be streamed for free without an account on Crackle. We wanted to pick shows that you guys could watch along with us at home. Uh, so that's one reason we picked this. But here is the description of season two, or season one, episode two, The Funeral. When a famous superhero dies during their sexual tryst, Captain Liberty enlists Batman well to don his costume. Thoughts? Okay. Um. (laughs) I don't exactly know what a sexual tryst is. It's spelled T-R-Y-A-S-T. Do you know that word? Um, Yeah. I don't think I could give you a firm definition, but (laughs) I I know the word. Um. I mean, with context, I can get a vibe of what it is, but it's not a word I'm familiar with. (laughs) I just, uh, I, I feel like... I, I'm I'm curious. I'm curious to see see how this goes. My, when you said that, my brain immediately went to the even more absurd, more over the top um, satirical superhero show, The Boys, on Amazon Prime. Um, that's just ridiculous yeah. with sexual content. So the, my brain went there, and I know it's going to be nothing close to that. But I'm intrigued. Yep, yep. So that'll be next episode. So thank you to those four people, probably two now, still listening. I am Corey. I'm Austin. And this is bathtub season, and we'll bathe with you soon. Uh, we need to think of a, be- a good ending line. <laughs> coming to you from the white tub of justice. The white tub of justice. <laughs> One season, two bathtubs. Ohio bathtub season, two best friends. No clothing, confusing.